at work and we finally get to the movie night and we're sitting here and we have two very different ideas of what we want to watch. <laughs> She's like, let's put on a chick flick like Brennan Giles likes. He loves chick flicks, right? Let's put that on. And I'm like, babe, but there's nothing exploding, <laughs> right? I'm like, let's blow something up because my favorite kind of movie is action movies, all right? This is what I tell my wife. I said, babe, and this is the title of my message. I go, babe, it's not a movie unless there's a problem, a plan, and a man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what's the problem? Gotham is going to be submerged into darkness, okay, right? What's the plan? Let's send Bane back where he came from, right? And who's the man? The Dark Knight of Gotham. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? How many, how many agree with me, right? That's a movie. That's an action movie. My, my wife is like, but Sam, Sam, but this movie has like the pain, the problem, and the tears, right? And I'm like, that's not a movie. That's like real life. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying to escape that right now. And so I'm like, so, so finally, we do what every mature couple does when they're trying to make a decision. We do, yes, all right. We're watching an action movie tonight. And so I put on a movie, and it has to have the problem, the plan, and the man. Tonight, we're beginning a new sermon series called Let There Be Light. And this is what you guys need to understand right now, okay? As we get into this new series, there's something that you and me and every single one of us that want to even begin to remotely understand the Bible, you need to get this. The Bible is one big story, and it's this. God's plan to save humanity, period. I don't get the Bible. There's so many stories and so many pages, and I don't even understand it, right? And it's like, I don't, what does that story have to, I like David and Goliath. I like Jonah. Noah's a cool guy, though he was kind of weird after the ark scene, right? And it's like, what is the point of the Bible? And it's simply this. It is one big story from which every other story gains its narrative, and it's this. God's plan to save humanity. It's one story. It is one giant action-packed rescue mission story. And just like every action story, there is a problem. Humanity, within the first few pages of their creation, humanity has fallen. You and me, we ran into our own flesh and we realized we are not perfect. We mess up. We sin. That is the problem. But every action movie also has a plan. God says, I'm going to look into the situation and I'm going to save humanity. I'm not going to leave humanity where they are. I'm going to intervene and rescue them. But then, the last part of every great action movie is the man, all right? I have this great plan. Let's go into ISIS with a sword and destroy every terrorist on there. Great plan. But good luck finding a man to carry out the plan when the odds are stacked against him, right? Besides Rambo, who would do that, right? First blood, right? And so today, friends, as we get into our new series, Let There Be Light, I want to show you guys who the man is in this plan. We know the problem. We all experience it daily. We know the plan. God has made that clear. But what we need to learn today is who is the man for the plan? And it becomes, don't blaspheme now. It's not you, my friend, right? And it becomes very clear here in this man 
in this passage. And so Luke chapter 19, this is a tremendous story, right? And so you tell you what, if you don't have your Bibles, um, oh, I guess I did put it on the screen. I was going to invite you. If you're not following along, just listen. Let yourself go back and experience the story, okay? Here we go. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not. Why? Because he was small of stature. Where are my seventh graders at? You know what I'm talking about, right? This man was small of stature, okay? So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. Pause. Here's our first scene. The arrival of Jesus creates a buzz. You guys know what a buzz is, right? You know what a buzz is? Like, no, no, not, not like, not like a bee. I'm talking about like, I'm talking about when this whole place, when this whole joint is turned, because it is like, oh my gosh, something big is coming. You ever walk through the mall around Christmas time? How many people like walking around the mall at Christmas time, right? Why? Because there's just like this energy. You can feel it. Something is coming. And in the name of, in the words of Buddy the Elf, Christmas is coming, right? It's just like you can experience the buzz and the anticipation. And so here's Jesus coming, and there's crowds, right? It's like Zacchaeus, he's going to work one day, and he always goes to work, stops by this one little hut, grabs his cup of cappuccino, and heads on to his tax booth. But today it was different. There was like 15 people in line, and he's like, what is up with this traffic, right? And so he gets out of his coffee, finally gets to the front of the line. They run out of his drink because the whole city's buzzing, and he's like, what is going on here? Why is the whole city going crazy right now? And he realizes, he overhears someone saying, Hey, did you hear about that Jesus guy? Oh my gosh, did you hear about that Jesus character? Did you hear? And he's like, he's hearing these whispers. Jesus, wait, what did they say? Did you hear about that guy outside the city in Jericho? He was blind and oh my gosh, he can see. He's all like, oh, I can see, right? And he's like, who, what, what? Who who is this? He's hearing these whispers. He's hearing this buzz and he wants to know, what's the big deal? This is not just anybody coming through town. And so look what the text says. It says that he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Who is he? How many of you guys have been invited to citizens by a friend? How many of you here because someone invited you? Raise them high. Let me see it. Wow, wow. Okay, who else? Okay. You're here. Raise them high. I want to see. You're here today because someone invited you to citizens. Look at that. I am here, right? Look at this, guys. Jesus today is still drawing a crowd, right? There's still something going on. There's still, like, who is this Jesus? What's the buzz? What's the big deal? Your friends invited you. Yeah, come to church. Oh, I love Jesus. I love my youth group, right? My youth pastor's kind of crazy, but we tolerate him. What's going on? And we wonder, what is this crowd? He's still drawing a crowd today. And in this crowd, there are those of you, just like Zacchaeus, are asking yourself, who's Jesus? Who's this Jesus, right? What's the Bible all about, guy? Hey, dude, what's your Christianity all about? What, you, you're religious, why? Hey, Brennan, you're spiritual stuff, why? Like, what, what's that Jesus thing all about? Hey, yeah. Cassidy, I see you reading your Bible. What, what is that all about? What? At the core of this curiosity, though, is the most important question that you'll ever answer in your life, and is this, who is Jesus? 
you have questions about the Bible, you have questions about God, you have questions about Christianity, but at the end of the day, it's the, 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 the question at the core of all of this curiosity is the same as it was 2,000 years ago. Who is this guy? Who is Jesus? And Zacchaeus, he's asking this question, but guys, you have to see his dilemma. Do you see his problem here? Do you see his problem? Zacchaeus, he's in no position to come to Jesus. He's in no position to approach him. He can't simply set up an appointment. Hey, Mr. Jesus, actually, your people call my people. Hey, can you tell Jesus? I have an opening between two and five. Can we do coffee? Right? He's in no position to approach Jesus. Do you know why? What does he do for a living? What's his job? He was a tax collector. That's right. That's right. When you hear tax collector, you should be like, L. I liked Courtney's thing a few weeks ago. L, right? I started it. I shouldn't have done that, right? It was dangerous, right? But you, when you hear tax collector, why do you say that? Why should all of us go, this guy? Do you know how he made his money? How many of you guys have jobs? All right, good, good. How do you make money? By working. Oh, my gosh, it's brilliant. If you work one hour, you get one hour's wages. If you work two hours, you get two hours' wages. That's not how this guy made money. Do you know how this guy made money? He worked for the Roman government, right? The ones who were oppressing Israel. And he would work for them. And they said, hey, Zacchaeus, here's your job. You go to your fellow people, right? They're probably going to hate you, but the pay is great. You go to your fellow people. You collect, I don't know, let's say 10 minas per person. And then, hey, whatever else you collect on top of that, you get to keep it. So he goes, well, the Roman government needs 10 minas, huh? So he comes and he's Hey, uh, a tax collector here. Hey, what's up, Zacchaeus? How you doing? I heard you got a new job. <laughs> yeah, about that. Uh, I'm collecting taxes for the Roman government. Ouch, man, that stinks. All right, well, how much do I owe you? 25 minas. 25? You know, hey, don't take it up with Caesar. Hey, take it up. Man, dang it, 25, right? <laughs> hey, uh, Zacchaeus here. Zacchaeus, Zeke, what's up, bro? Uh, I'm not here for the pleasure. What do you mean? It's me. You're no, I got a new job. What do you do? Collect taxes for the Roman government. <laughs> what, dude? The, Ro the ones who, like, kill my cousin in, like, that big crusade? That yeah. All right, well, how much do I owe you? It's 35 minas. <laughs> Zacchaeus, I don't even make 35 in a day. Hey, take it up with the Roman government, right? Cha-ching. And so this guy, when you hear tax collector, he's a crook. He's a scoundrel. He's living in a mansion while his fellow people are living, and they, and they can't even make ends meet. So he was a tax collector, but what kind of tax collector was he? What kind of tax collector was he? Read, no, 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 read the text. That's what we do here at Citizens. We follow along the text and we read those words. So what does he do here? What kind of tax collector? He was a chief tax collector. He wasn't simply a tax collector. He was the leader of the tax collectors. This guy's a bomb. Do you think he was good at what he did? How do you know he was good at what he did? What does the text say? He was rich. This is not a guy that his heart gets in the way of what he's doing. He is a scoundrel, friends. He is a scoundrel. And so he's in no position to approach Jesus. He knows he's undeserving. He knows that his cousins and his brothers and his, even his parents, they won't even eat with him. They're ashamed of him. This is the kind of guy who probably eats alone over the holidays, right? Zacchaeus, who are you having over for Thanksgiving? My pet lamb, right? <laughs> And she's dinner, so that's why she's there, you know? Like, that's this kind of guy. 
He couldn't even go up to the crowd, right? He couldn't go, excuse me, guys, do you mind if I get to the front of your parade crowd? You guys ever go to the Starlight Parade and people are there for like hours, <laughs> right? Like in line, just like, I, this is my corner of the, my piece of the sidewalk, right? And like there's that kind of crowd. And like he, he wasn't liked. He wasn't welcome here. He can't just go up to the crowd and go, excuse me, can, can I get to the front? I just, I'm really curious. I want to see Jesus. This guy is in no position to approach Jesus. You guys ever felt like that? Like, I'm not calling you Zacchaeus, but have you guys honestly, like, ever felt like Zacchaeus? Like, have you ever just felt so dirty? You know what I mean? Like, have you ever had that moment where you're so aware of your own sin, right? Like, maybe a lot of times it's right in the aftermath of your sin, and you find yourself, and you're just like, honestly, like, I, I'm more aware of my sin now than I ever have been in my life. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys ever been there? Right, where you're so aware of your sin and shame? That you go, man, there's no way I can approach Jesus. As a matter of fact, when I come to youth group, when I go to church, I'm going to sit in the back, right? I'm not going to find a sycamore tree, but I'm going to go sit in the back and just, I can't really talk to Jesus personally, so I'll just go and like be an observer of what's going on. I'll sit in the back and I won't sing the songs. I won't really listen to the message because I just, that'd be nice, but I just know I am in no position to approach Jesus. Have you ever felt like that? I think we all have, right? If we're being honest. And that's exactly how Zacchaeus feels here. But watch what happens next, because it's going to blow your mind, all right? And it blows Zacchaeus' mind for sure. Look what he says. He's on the brink. Oh, man. Have you ever, like, had an amazing day that changed your life? What did it feel like that morning when you woke up? Like any other day, right? You don't wake up and go, hmm, I feel like today my life is going to be changed in a radical way that I will remember forever. <laughs> No, you just wake up like every other day. You're on the brink of a life-changing day, and you don't even know it yet, right? You don't even know it yet. And so here's Zacchaeus on the brink of a life-changing encounter, and he doesn't even know it. Let's look at the next verse. Look with me at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, so here's the parade. The parade is coming, and the little man of stature, he's like, man, I can't see it. So he runs ahead. He's up here in a sycamore tree, and he's just like, like that. He's like, Yes. And he's up here and he's looking. And so Jesus, he comes, the parade comes, and he's at this place now. And look what happens in verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Jesus comes to the place with unbelievable grace. Who is Zacchaeus? Good guy, bad guy? Horribly bad guy. And then Jesus comes, and he comes to the place here, and he knows exactly where Zacchaeus is. He, Zacchaeus makes this homemade tree house, right? And it's not like an eyesore. Zacchaeus doesn't have like a big, you guys know some tree houses with a big, uh, uh, porch out there and the big flag and it's like guys rule right he's not up here like causing a scene he's kind of hidden up in a tree and Jesus he's talking to people down here what makes Jesus stop and look up <laughs> did Jesus like maybe hear rustling in the tree Jesus is walking and there's like an acorn falling in front of him he's like, what's what hey what are you doing up there no no that's not what it says it says he came to the place and he looked up intentionally. He knew exactly where he was looking. He found, he goes, yep, I know where you are. He knows exactly where he is. But he doesn't only know where he is physically, right? Where's Zacchaeus? Where's Zacchaeus? Oh, he's in a tree. But, but where's Zacchaeus at? 
Yeah, 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 I know, but, but where is he at? Right? Jesus, he knows where he's at, not just physically, but spiritually. Jesus knows exactly what this guy's history is. He knows what he does for a living. He knows that he's dirty. He knows that he's messed up. Sam, whoa, 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 you're reading a lot into the text here. Where does it say that Jesus knows all that Zacchaeus has done? Where does it say that Jesus knew what his sin was? I'll prove it to you. Look what he says. He came to the place, he looked up, and he said to him what? What did he say? First word, what did he say? He looked, guys, guys, oh my gosh, look at this. He comes to the place, he looks up, and he said to him, say it. What did he say to him? First word, what did he say to him? No, first word, what did he say to him? Zacchaeus, what did he say to him? Zacchaeus, what did he say to him? Thank you. You're like, hey, this is a trick question. I don't want to be here. He said to him, Zacchaeus. What's the guy's name? How did Jesus know that? Who told Jesus Zacchaeus' his name? When I was reading this this week, when I was studying this, think, guys, listen, when I was studying this, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, he comes to the place, he looks up, and he says, Zacchaeus. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's never met Jesus. Remember, he was wondering who Jesus was? He's never met Jesus. Is Jesus sitting here with a name, or is Zacchaeus up here in the treehouse with a name tag, right? He has like his monogram swinging on a giant gold chain that he stole from someone with a Z, right? He looks up at him and he says, Zacchaeus. Jesus knows everything. Jesus, we, we use a word here. So my upper high schoolers, this one's for you. Middle schoolers, you can tuck this away into your little filing vault, right? Not you, bro. You're an upper class one. This is for you, right? Omniscient. Everybody say omniscient. Omniscient means all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows exactly where Zacchaeus is. He knows his name. And that means, doesn't he know that he's a crook? Doesn't that mean that he knows that he's a bad guy? Doesn't it mean that? Jesus knows exactly who you are. Have you ever felt like, nobody really knows the real me? Have you ever felt like that? I remember when I was in high school, there was a point, I think it was my sophomore year, and I came to a point where I was like, dude, you know, I'm like the joker, I make all these jokes in school, and like, people just think I'm like the funny guy, but like, I just felt so misunderstood. Like, people, that's not really who I was, you know? Sometimes there, there's seasons of life where we don't want anybody to know who we really are. We kind of like it that way. We like people thinking that we're one way on the outside because if they really knew who we were on the inside, they probably wouldn't like us. But I'm telling you guys here from this text, Jesus knows exactly who we are. He knows who you really are, just like he knew who Zacchaeus was. But I'm not telling you that to make you scared. I'm not telling you that to go, ooh, Jesus knows exactly who you are. I'm not telling you like that. This is not a reason to be scared, friends. This is what makes, this is, this, the fact that Jesus knows who you are makes what he's about to do even crazier. He knows exactly who Zacchaeus was, but look what he says to him. Hurry, come down here. Zacchaeus, get your butt down here right now, right? That's how I would have said it in that day. Zacchaeus, hurry. What, what are you waiting for? Get down here. I'm eager. Right? Think like mom is calling me for dinner. I'm an hour past curfew. Right? And then some of you are like, I just don't pick up my phone. Yeah, pick up your phone. Honor your parents. Right? We talked about that a few months ago. Right? 
How did I get there? Oh my gosh. Zacchaeus, hurry. Get down here. Come down. Why? Because I'm going to stay at your house today. He says, I must stay. (laughs) That was great. Keep that in the audio. That'll be good. I like that one. He says, I must stay at your house today. Do you know what it means to eat with someone in this day and age? Hey, Josie, come come over to my house today. My wife and I, we want to cook you a meal. I want you to sit down at our table and eat with us. You know what that means? Friendship. Friendship. It's an expression of acceptance. It means, hey, you're sitting at my table, I'm giving you food, I'm being hospitable to me, me and you, we cool. Oh, we're boys, right? I love having people over. My wife and I love being hospitable because we just, it's a way that we can say, dude, we love you. Come and do life with us. You're our friend. We accept you. If that's what eating a meal means, why is Jesus inviting himself over to Zacchaeus' house? Because he's special, that's right. (laughs) And that's the moral of the story. (laughs) Dude, you middle schoolers are on a roll today, man. High schoolers are like, I don't know who to listen to. Sam or you, right? (laughs) Here's a man who's in no position to approach Jesus, but Jesus comes to him. Here's a man that is in no position to approach Jesus, but Jesus comes to him. He initiates a relationship with him. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to you. Come down here. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble? No, I'm going to eat at your place and maybe a possible sleepover in there. He initiates this relationship with Zacchaeus. And so here's the point here. Here's where your mind begins to get blown. Here's where Zacchaeus' whole world begins to change. Do you remember what Zacchaeus' question was at the beginning of the story? Who is Jesus? And he's about to get his first answer. Zacchaeus is going to get a bigger answer to that question than a lot of people today ever answer in their life. He says, who is Jesus? Jesus is the one who seeks out the lost. He's sitting up here in his treehouse just trying to get a sneak peek. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, hurry your butt down here because we're about to go party at your place. And Zacchaeus, all in that moment, so aware of his sin and shame, so aware of all his shortcomings, is overwhelmed with this expression of acceptance. And he says, who is Jesus? He's the one who seeks the lost. He's the one who pursues relationship with those who don't deserve it. What would your response be? What would your response be? You're sitting in the midst of your shame. You're aware of your sin. And Jesus, he doesn't look at you with this like, what are you doing? What are you doing? He comes and there's just this acceptance. He says, I want to be with you. I want us to be, come. Actually, I'm coming to you, (laughs) Right? If Jesus invited him to to his house, that would have been like, all right, I'm going to be hospitable. He goes, no, no, I'm coming to your house. All right? Ultimate acceptance. What would your response be if if you saw this take place right in front of your eyes? Right? Chris, here you are, man. And this happens. What would your response be? Ethan, what would your response be if you see this happen right now in front of your face? There's two responses that immediately happen in the text. And I want you guys to sit back. Everybody look up. I want you to sit back and listen to this, right? Yes, you can look up if you want. Okay, I meant look up, but here we go. 
I want you to hear, hear the two responses. Or, as a matter of fact, close your eyes. Hear the two responses. Let me go steal somebody's wallet. No, no I'm kidding. Hear the two responses. We must move. All right. Starting in verse 6. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. Ew. But Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, wow, I never noticed this. Okay, I'll skip. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, and everybody's like, <clears throat> if? He's like, okay, okay. If I defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Open your eyes. There's two responses here, and that makes sense because Jesus' grace demands a response. Jesus' grace demands a response. When you see Jesus acting with this love and generosity and acceptance, there's no option that goes, that's cool. All right, cool. Hey, that's nice. All right. I like that. No, no, no. Jesus' grace demands a response, and the question for you today is how will you respond? Look at this. Some people, this is how they respond. I'm good. Jesus comes with grace, and they go, I'm good. Everybody say, I'm good. Right? I'm trying to picture what emoji that would be. It would be like the, it'd be like the smiley face, right? Like, I'm good. The smirk, right? I'm good, right? Jesus comes, and they see him calling Zacchaeus into relationship, and they grumble. They grumble. Grumble, grumble. Grumble, baby, grumble, right? They're just like, what are you doing? Him? They say that he is a sinner. So what they're really saying is, he, he doesn't deserve it. And if they're saying, he doesn't deserve it, what are they saying about themselves? I do. <laughs> Brennan? Jesus, Brennan? What? He doesn't deserve Him? He doesn't deserve I do. And so this first group of people, this is what they believe about life, and it's messed up. They believe some people deserve God, some people don't. That's the way, it's just simple. They sound so, that sounds so wise, right? Because the reality is, each and every single one of you, the natural position of your heart is to go here. Some people deserve God, some people don't. It's natural. The natural position of the human heart is works righteousness, right? Ah, I could earn it, sometimes I don't. That's what we believe. And so these people, because they believed this, they thought, I'm good. I'm good. But this is wrong, isn't it? Human nature wants to believe this. But what's the reality? Who's actually good enough to be with God? No one, man. Are you good enough to be with God? Like, honestly, like, I'm not, not just, well, the youth pastor says that no one is righteous, not even one. No, no, like, think about it. Deep down in your heart, do you honestly believe that if you were to come to God and level with him and go, hey, you know what, man? I think I'm actually a pretty good dude. Do you think any of us would be there? Do you think any of us can claim to go, I'm perfect? This belief of some are good and some aren't, that is bogus. Look what the Bible says, Romans 3.23. All have sinned. Who has sinned? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sometimes we believe. Some people are good, some people aren't. And a lot of times we go, I'm not good, but that person, they're probably good enough. And so because I sin, I'm just less than them because they look like they never sin. Look at the seniors. The seniors look so spiritual. I mean, like, 
they're so good, and I'm not, you know? I can never open up about my sin because I'm the only one that struggles with these things. I can't. Some respond by saying I'm good. But look at the second response here, and this is by Zacchaeus. He responds with joy and repentance. Everybody say joy and repentance. He knows that he doesn't deserve to be with Jesus. He knows he's up here. I gotta make sure not to rip my pants like last time. He knows that he doesn't deserve to eat with Jesus. So when Jesus calls him and accepts him into a relationship, he says, yes! He joyfully comes down. He says, yes! Guys, some of you think we're crazy. Do you know why we sing at Citizens? Well, because you're supposed to, because that's what church people do. No, we sing because we're happy. Bro, Jesus has changed my life. Jesus took me, who was a sinner, who was headed for hell, who did not deserve him, who was living a double life. I was a good church kid. Everybody on the outside every Sunday would tell me how great of a kid I was. And I'd go, thanks. And in my head, I'd go, if they only knew. (laughs) And God has saved me from my duplicity. He saved me from my sin. He saved me from being a slave to my addictions. And so when I sing songs of you have brought me back with the riches of your amazing grace and tremendous love, relentless love, I'm made alive. I'm not like, I'm made alive. I'm made alive. I'm like, I'm made alive, right? I'm, I'm jumping. I put my hands up. I'm rejoicing because one of the responses to grace is joy. And Zacchaeus, look at the text. It says, he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When you, when you experience this kind of grace, how do you not respond with joy? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Right? I recently had something tremendous happen to me. And I wasn't even going to share this. I'm going to share it. Because I actually responded with genuine joy. And so... Um, I graduated from college in 2012, and one, a couple things that um, every college graduate, graduate school with, you have a couple scars, right? I had plenty of those. A lot of good friends, I had plenty of those, and a lot of school debt, <laughs> right? I gra- and then what happens when a man and a woman like each other, and they pursue each other, they get married. And if that person was also a college graduate, Sometimes you can triple your, gra- your college debt. And so I just so happened to fall in love with the most beautiful girl at school who also had debt. It was weird how that worked, right? And so we get married, and we now have double college debt. And so we've been working on paying that back and paying that back. And um, now you're like, now I understand why you drive what you drive. That little Saturn. Yes. <laughs> hasn't had oil in years. Just, I'm like the widow from Elijah's days. And... Um, and so a couple, a couple days ago, I got a letter in the mail. I applied for a scholarship to, my, to the Assemblies of God, and I just got a letter in the mail the other day. Guess what that letter said? It says I've been accepted, yeah, into, yeah, no, I'm not, in, I'm not going to a school. I'm not that kind of letter. I got a letter from the AG, right? And Audrey Rogers, she was next door in my office. Jesse Kimball was in there. And I got a letter that says, you have been given the next generation grant, and they're going to pay off my undergraduate debt. 
Okay, that's fair. Yeah, right, yeah, that's fair. For you guys, you give a golf clap. Thank you very much. I'll see you later. For me, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Dude, I ran down the hallway. I'm not even kidding. I was like, and I go into Audrey's office, and without even blinking, I interrupted their conversation. They're talking, and I go, guys. And I'm just crying at this point. I'm like, and they're like, what is going on with you? Actually, they probably wouldn't even like, have been thought twice about it if I wasn't crying. And I'm just like, I, I can't even, I don't even, what, what, what? And they go, what? And I just hand them the letter, right? You had debt, and now you don't. Thank you very much. No, no, that was joy. Grace demands a response. The first group of people, they see Jesus offering this letter and they go, actually, I'm good, thank you. $50,000 worth of debt, not a big deal, I got that. Chump change, right? That's the first people, I'm good. Second group of people, joy. But not only joy, look what else it says. What does he say? He goes, Lord, that's key. I didn't never notice that before. He doesn't know who Jesus is, but now he's revealing. He says, Lord, master, teacher, the one who's in control, Lord. He addresses him as Lord. He says, the half of my goods I give to the poor. He says, I know that I've been stealing from people. I know that I've been a crook. I know that I'm living in mansions while other people are living in poverty, but I'm going to take half of my savings account, which I stole, and I'm going to give it to the poor. Wow. That's a response. And then he says, you know what? Not, not only that, then I'm going to go back to every person that I've wronged, and if I've defrauded them, I will restore it fourfold. So for that one house, oh, it's Zacchaeus again. No, no, guys, guys, please open up. What do you want now, Zacchaeus? Hey, remember when I stole 25 minas? They actually only did 10, so I actually stole 15. But multiply by four, here's 60 minas. What are you doing? Hey, guys, it's me, Zacchaeus. Everybody, shh, shh, let's turn off the TV. We're not here. No, guys, come on, I swear, open up, it's me, Zacchaeus. What do you want, Zacchaeus? Hey, remember when I told you I, st- I needed 35 minutes for the Roman, uh, Roman Empire? I mean, they only needed 10, I'm so sorry, I know, so I stole 25, but hey, listen, here's 100 minutes, I'm so sorry. Jesus loves me, he loves you, he's awesome, thank you. How is he responding to the grace from Jesus? Joy and repentance, right? Repentance simply means this, it's doing what Zacchaeus did. He just changed his ways. He turned around, right? And so here he is, stealing from people. Jesus comes, loves him anyway, and now his only natural response is to go, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live for you. I want to please you. I want to honor you, Lord. A lot of people, they look at Christians, and they say, those Christians, they don't do anything fun. They don't do this. They don't do this. They never do this. They don't do this. And a lot of I, my friends, man, I have friends, and they just feel like Christianity is all about what you don't do. And why? Because Christians are earning their way to heaven. If they want to go to heaven, then they can't smoke, and they can't have sex, and they can't do drugs. It's just like, oh my gosh, Christianity is so lame. Friends, understand this. You need to get this in the deepest recesses of your soul. We do not act the way that we act. We do not live the way that we live because we're trying to earn God's acceptance. We do it because he already has accepted us. He came to us with tremendous grace and now our response is to go, 
I'm turning around. I want that. Jesus, you're so glorious in your grace. I've never met anyone else who loves me like this. And now I will live for you. I'm leaving it all behind. And Zacchaeus now understands why those people were buzzing in the streets. He understands why those people were whispering about the people who've left everything behind to follow him. He says, I want to live for you. That's faith. That's trust. He says, I agree with you. I am a sinner. But thank you for accepting me anyway. I want to live for you. And now let's look. Let's end it here. Let's look how Jesus responds to faith, right? It's like a grace sandwich. Jesus makes the first move. Zacchaeus responds with faith. And now look how Jesus responds back, right? Verse 9, our last two verses. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Because of Jesus, the lost are found. Because of Jesus, someone like Zacchaeus, who was lost, is now found. He says to Zacchaeus, he goes, hey, hey my friend, you are saved. Today, salvation has come to this house. He says, you were lost, but now have salvation. What does it mean to be lost? Well, Zacchaeus needed a GPS. He should have had an iPhone, right? No, no, no. What does it mean to be lost? When Jesus says that, Zacchaeus, you were lost, what does he mean? What, do you guys know what he means? It means that he wasn't a part of the family of God. It means that he was dead spiritually. He was far from God, but because he's responded in faith through Jesus, he's now accepted into the family of God. First John, he says, how, how tremendous is this that we have been called children of God? And so those of you, those of us who were far away, when we put our faith in Jesus, were brought near. Today, salvation has come to your household. We say it all the time, we belong together. We're a family. We're children of God, and that makes us brothers and sisters. Zacchaeus, he's not alone here, right? Like, we go, oh, tax collector. But like, he's not alone. All of us, like Zacchaeus, all of us have fallen short. Friends, and listen, I, those of you who don't know me, you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is like so offensive. Why is he getting all to my grill? Listen, listen, I'm, not, I'm putting myself right there with you, okay? All of us have fallen short. None of us deserve to approach God. I'm not saying that to offend you. We're lost. That's what Jesus says. We're lost. But before we accuse Jesus of being judgmental, let's understand why he came. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And here's how we're going to respond today, okay? And I want, I, focus with me here for the last minutes, because this is, this is key, all right? Some of you in here, right? This is the first group of people, how we're going to respond, okay? Let's do, let, let's, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll, we're going to sing here in a, in a few moments, um, and then we'll do offering after the first song. But um, here's how we're going to respond. Some of you guys in here, you're still far away. You're lost, okay? And again, I'm not, I'm not calling you, I'm just, that's what Jesus, we're, we're, you're lost, you're not part of the family of God. You're not in relationship with God. And here's what I want you guys to do. Don't disagree with Jesus. 
that's not true, Jesus. I'm not lost. I'm good, okay? Don't disagree with Jesus. He's right. I'm telling you that as a loving brother, he's right. Don't say that you're good. Respond like Zacchaeus with repentance and joy. Admit you're lost, but rejoice in the good news. So those of you in here that are like, hey, I'm not part of the family of God. I'm not a Christian. I haven't been baptized. I don't know what's going on there. Here's what my appeal to you is, right? As an ambassador for Christ, agree with Jesus. You're lost, but accept his gracious invitation to be in relationship with him. Rejoice in the good news. Repent and live for him. And when you do that, friends, Jesus says, today salvation has come to your household. You will be part of the family of God. And now, though, now, 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 there's others of you in here that are going, oh, my gosh, Sam, what is this? Christianity 101? Of course I'm a Christian. Why do I need to hear this message? I already surrendered my life to Jesus. Why are you telling me this? Here's the second way that I want you to respond. The first group of people, the call to you is to repent. If you're not part of the family of God, repent. If you are part of the family of God, I'm calling you to remember. Because here's what happens, right? We're Christians. We, we start our journey in tears. We start our journey very aware of the grace of God. But as we get older, we start to put more and more confidence in our own goodness, right? When you become a Christian for a long time, you forget how much you don't actually deserve it. And you think, I'm good. As a matter of fact, I, you know, after a while, I'm, I needed Jesus to get me kick-started. Jesus was like my training wheels. But now, I'm good. And so the call for those of you who are Christians, young men and women, I'm calling you to remember. The gospel is not like English 101. Get that, move on, never go back. No, the gospel is something that every single day, I'm calling you, you those of you who mature in the faith, I'm calling you every day to remember reflect on the gospel, reflect on the good news, remember the fact that you don't deserve Jesus. Remember that. That'll keep you where you need to be. And so let's do this. Let's, let's have the band come up. We're gonna respond. As we sing, I, I invite you to pay attention to the words. Respond. If you want, we're gonna have youth staffers standing in the back and on the side. If you wanna pray with someone, I invite you, respond today. Remember, Jesus' grace, it demands a response. And so how will you respond today, okay? Some of you need to repent and turn around from what you've been doing. Others of you need to remember the grace of God. And then we'll talk about a third way that we're gonna respond here after our song. So let's stand to your feet and, um, and allow me to pray for you guys. Father, I thank you for my, my little brothers and sisters in the faith here, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are on a rescue mission and you have a plan for the problem, and Lord, you've sent the man, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we look today at who this man is, and we realize, Lord, we realize that he is the one who came to seek and save the lost. And so God, we say thank you. God, we're not gonna give you a little golf clap to go, that was nice, well done. God, we're responding. The gospel calls for a response, and we're either saying, God, I'm good, or we say, I want you. And so Lord, right now, I respond, and I say, Jesus, I want you. I want to respond to your grace with repentance. I want to respond to your grace with joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your grace. You are so amazingly gracious. You're like no other person that we know. You're like no other friend that we know. You love us like no other family member that we know. And so, God, you've captured our hearts. Our only response is to say, I choose you. 
And we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.